You're listening to Trek FM. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. Welcome, everyone, to another supplemental episode of the 602 Club. I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing. I'm excited to be talking about uh, something really different for the show. We just haven't talked about something like this yet, and uh, the truth is out there. We're going to try and get to it tonight with uh, Mike Schindler. Hey, Mike, how's it going? It's going okay. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm so glad to have you back in the 602 Club. Uh, you know, you were just here recently, and it's good to have you back here. And uh, before we uh, start talking about the, if if people haven't guessed, I'm sure they have at this point, uh, the X-Files revival, I just want to remind everybody that the 602 Club is, is part of the Trek FM network. You can find all of our shows on iTunes at iTunes.com slash Trek FM. We're also a featured provider there, so be sure to check us out. While you're there, hit us up. Give us an iTunes review and a star rating uh, either on the 602 Club or the special Star Wars feed as well. We'd really appreciate that. You can contact us. Go to trek.fm slash contact. Just choose a show, the 602 Club. That'll come straight to me. You can leave us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. We're on Twitter at trek.fm. Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. We have a listeners-only discussion group on Facebook called the Babel Conference. So type in Babel into the search field on Facebook or click discussion on any of the menu bars on the show pages. And the show pages are at trek.fm, and that's our website. So, well, Mike... I am excited to to be here in the 602 talking a little X-Files, and I will say right up front, I always try, if I'm not an expert in the field, uh, to find somebody who I know is, and I know you're a huge Files fan, and do you, what did you guys call yourself back in the day? X-Files, P-H-I-L-E-S. Oh, okay, you weren't like the Filers or anything? No, or? no, we were X-Files, okay. you know. Get it? Nice. Get it? I do. That's right. awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. So I, I wanted to ask you, and I, I enjoyed some of the X-Files. I didn't see the entire series. I've, I've seen both of the movies as well. And, I you know, I enjoyed it for what I, I saw. And so it was intriguing to me that they were going to bring the show back. And I wanted to ask you that the series left the airwaves in 2002. And then after that, we would get another movie. Where was the series, you know, when we wrapped up in 2002? And where were you, where was fandom with X-Files? I mean, did, did y'all leave on good terms? Was it a bad breakup? The, the, in terms of the, the story, it was kind of left with... There wasn't like a firm resolution, you know? It was, the, the idea right. behind it was kind of like, you know... The, the journey continues sort of thing. And, you know, this is something which is still at play. And it's not one of those things where, you know, it, it was just like, well, we're tune in next week for, you know, the next episode of The X-Files. But it was very open-ended in terms of its in terms of its finale. I mean, there was some resolution. Uh, the X-Files were basically gone. And uh, Mulder and Scully were on the run because in the very last episode, which was an interesting episode for sure, um, Mulder is put on trial for murdering a soldier, like a, an army soldier oh. or something, hmm. uh, played by um, Adam Baldwin. No, Alec Baldwin. No, the 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 really Stephen annoying Stephen Baldwin, one. <laughs> what? the Firefly dude. <laughs> oh, oh, Adam Baldwin. Yes, yeah. Adam Baldwin. Okay, yeah, he he's he. But he's not related to one of the Baldwin brothers. He's, he's not just no. no. Yeah, yes. he. Yeah, I know. What you're <laughs> Yeah, from Chuck. Yes, from Chuck. Yeah, he 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 killed him in like the the first scene of that, and it turns out that he's an alien, right? But Mulder is being put on trial, and in the process of this trial, they feel that they can bring out the truth. The only way that they can convict Mulder is if 
they admit that there are aliens and there's this conspiracy. And by doing that, they're basically able to recap the entire series because the mythology is extremely dense, right? Right, yes. And it kind of ends with them on the run. You know, Mulder, is a, he's a fugitive wanted for murder, and he and Scully are making a run for the border or whatever, you know? And that's how it ends. And Cancer Man gets killed. He gets blown up in a big bad way. Okay, John there Mills is no was telling me he's like that he is dead. <laughs> yeah, he. You actually seen him get blown to smithereens. Like there's there's no doubt that this guy is atomized, if not in just pieces everywhere. And that was obviously a big deal because he was the big bad guy, you know. And for mm-hmm. him to be killed was a huge sort of a resolution, you know, for for fans and everything. So the idea of them bringing it back, you know, is certainly not outside the realm of possibility, especially since one of the things which is established towards the end in, in the finale is the fact that, uh, d- what is it, December 20th, 2012, whatever the, the date that the, the, the Mayan calendar ends, right? That, that very famous day is the day that the aliens will invade and take over the world, right? So, I mean, it was one of those things, and this is 2002, so we've got 10 years before this, and, you know, it was one of those things where they're always talking about, you know, maybe coming back mm-hmm. for another movie or whatever, and I'll, I'll never forget, because it's spot on, you know, having this conversation with Max in, you know, 2002, I think, and him saying, uh, you know, they better come back and make another movie in 10 years you know, 2012, and I wanted to start with Mulder and Scully driving their car down like an empty street with a UFO overhead shooting laser beams at them. And I'm like, yes, exactly. That is what you have to right. do. Right. So 2008, they come back and they're making another movie. And it's like, oh my God, this is going to be so great. This is going to be amazing. It's going to, you know, we're four years away now. What's going to happen? And they do a Monster yeah, of the Week. Yeah, that was really movie. odd. And everyone's like, why are you doing this? And, oh, by the way, it's not very good. So what's going on here? And that, I think, more than the finale, left a really bad taste in the fans' mouths. But I will say, like, no matter how good or bad the finale was or, or, you know, how, how much that worked as a finale, there was definitely a sense of fatigue, which was, you know, present throughout this show i think a lot of people especially after that first movie felt like you're going somewhere this is really interesting and we need to have a a hard clean ending to the story and instead what we got was something which dragged on and on and on until basically people stopped watching and then it just ended you know David Duchovny leaves, they bring on people who we don't care about and don't even remember, and then right. it just ends. And it's like, no. And that's that, I think, really turned people off of the show and the franchise. But, you know, give it some time. Give it, you know, eight years, and hey, everyone's well, excited. Well, and it, it is true. I, I remember, important. you know, the the buzz before anybody saw anything, you know, was big. You know, the people were excited that the X-Files were coming back. And uh, before we kind of get into that specifically, you know, this is a thing right now is bringing things back. I mean, uh, right now, if you look at what's going on in, in, in fandom communities, uh, what's coming back soon is is Gilmore Girls. I, I was a huge fan of Gilmore Girls, so I'm excited to see that back. You've got Star Trek coming back on CBS. Netflix wanted it, but uh, the, the CBS said no. Uh, that just came out today. I was reading online. Uh CBS was like, no, we're we're gonna make basically we're gonna put that into our own cash cow, and hopefully, <laughs> um, it'll make CBS online go somewhere. And um, so we have all these things come back. I mean, we even have films the same way. I mean, you know, you keep bringing back uh, franchises like Terminator and things like that. And uh, I mean, how can I forget uh, Fuller House has 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 launched now? And um, I mean. All of these things have had varying degrees of success that have come back. I think, on a whole, probably, I don't know, Mike, you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I would say that probably 90% of the things they're bringing back aren't successful. 
I mean, I guess, are you talking financially or creatively? And I don't know, you know, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing. I, I was just talking about this with, with John Tenuto uh, just a few hours ago, where he was talking about how, you know, he's, he's a, soci- a sociologist and um, he and his wife, I guess, uh, frequently, you know, study the idea of the 20 year nostalgia cycle and how, you know, mm-hmm. people tend to uh, want to bring back things from 20 years ago. So now, I mean, hey, X-Files, the 90s, you know, Full House, the 90s. Yeah, all these things are coming back, you know, because it's their time to come back, I guess. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, are the, I, I guess I'm not as as down on the idea as some people. I get excited when things that I liked come back. And even if, you know, they end up being less than good, like the new Terminator movie, um, I'm still excited to see them back, you know, and, and it, there's, there's different ways that you can do it. You can, you can, you know, reboot it or you can, uh, you know, recast it, remake it, or you can do like a sequel like this. And I think that this is one of the more interesting ways to go about it. And it's something which is kind of, uh, mind-blowing in a sense whenever you see it and uh it's exciting it's exciting for sure uh, creed oh there's another one creed yeah there you go i was i was just about to mention you know there have been some huge successes especially last year obviously we saw jurassic world kick us off a huge success there i mean whether you liked it or not people went and saw it and people loved it uh, and I, I was one of those people. Um, you know, Creed came out, and uh, my wife and I were just talking about it as we were watching the most boring Oscar show ever last night. That um, we really want to see Creed. Like, and I'm not a huge Rocky person, but the movie looks good, like really good. And that's all I've heard from everyone is that it's excellent. It is. So Go see it. That kind of word of mouth, <laughs> yeah, is is fantastic. And then, of course, the biggest Star Wars Episode Seven brought Star Wars back and and it's been a you know a long time since we've had a Star Wars movie. So three huge films last year, very well reviewed, very well received by the public. So yes, things can come back and be done and be done well and and heck, I even think of you know uh last year um kind of the nostalgia was there with uh, The Man from Uncle which was a fantastic film. Uh, you know, the Mission Impossible series continues to, to chug along, and I, I think you'd agree they had their best film yet with Rogue I would Nation. not agree with that, but no? okay. It was good. Okay. Okay. Uh, no, wait. It, it's you You like uh, number four the best. No, number three. Yeah. Or three. Three? Okay, J.J. Yeah, Abrams. Yeah. And, okay. <laughs> but I love four and okay, five no. and, and yeah. two. Yeah, and I mean, all of them have, uh, well, I don't, I don't love awesome. two, but I mean, all of those films have been, you know, so yeah, you can bring things back and you can make it good. And so coming into the X-Files, I think a lot of people thought, and, and this was my feeling, and, and again, you can take this or leave this, I'm, I wasn't as huge a fan as you, but my thought was, oh, they're going to come back and they're going to wrap up all the mysteries that they didn't get to and really give us the finale that fans wanted. You know, give us those answers and make you feel good about the series so that it leaves a better taste in your mouth. That was what I figured they were going to do. What did you think they would do? Well, I guess when I first heard that they were coming back and you hear that it's only going to be for six episodes, you think, oh, yeah, that is totally what they're going to do, right? I mean, you've got six episodes to tell a story. You know, they're calling it a miniseries and, and you're you're doing a, a mythology-based story, which is going to be huge and epic and awesome. But very quickly, very quickly, um, Chris Carter came out and said, no, we're going to do a mix. And you're like, wait, a mix? A mix? Wait, what do you mean a mix? There's only six of these things. Like a greatest like, hits tape? Like, a, like know, some a mythology tape? and some monster of the week, you know? And he's like, we're going to find a good balance. And then it came out exactly what the balance was going to be, which is the first episode and the last episode are going to be mythology with four standalones in between. And my thinking was, that's really weird and that's totally a Chris Carter thing to do like someone who has the mentality of like 
it's been six years since I've been able to do this show, and I'm getting money to do a major motion picture, and it may be the last time I ever get to do anything with these characters, and I'm going to do a Monster of the Week story with that. That is the sum, and I mean, and it goes back all the way, like Millennium. I keep on bringing up Millennium, but it is sort of like the the perfect example of Chris Carter's, you know, thought process and his tendencies, his tastes as as a filmmaker. Did you ever see Millennium? With a uh, uh, Lance Henriksen, I did not see Millennium. It's, I mean, think of it as basically like X Files with serial killers instead of aliens. Um, it's awesome. Uh, no, it's not mm-hmm. awesome. Well, <laughs> it starts <laughs> off as sort of like a serial killer of the week thing. That's the first season, which Chris Carter ran. Then in season two, he went off to he was. That's when he was making the first X Files movie. So he handed it off to. Glenn Morgan and James Wong, who uh, were, you know, X-Files people and really good. And in season two, they went crazy. And they were just like, let's bring in this whole thing with, you know, this conspiracy and this supernatural element and everything. And it ends in the most amazing way, which is very similar to the way that this X-Files season ends. It ends with the end of the world, essentially. There is a plague which is released, which is going to kill all of humanity. And then they got renewed for season three. So how do you how do you get out of that? Well, Chris Carter comes back and he's like, you know what? I just like doing the serial killer of the week thing. So we're gonna have a throwaway line on a news report explaining that like sixty people died in Washington, and uh, and we're just gonna do serial killer of the week things for another year. And it's like, what? but did you? But that's that's his thing. That, okay, that seems kind of like the thing that J.J. likes to do with his mystery box. Like, he likes to set things up, but he doesn't know how to close the deal. And this was, I mean, to, to be fair to Chris Carter, I have a feeling like this was a case of, like, he's like, okay, kids, you can go play with my toy. And then he comes back and he's like, what did you do to my toy? I didn't, you know, you, you opened up the box and... <laughs> And now it's worthless. And I'm going to try to put it back in the box and maybe, you know, repair some of the little stuff. You know, I don't think that he liked what they did with season two of Millennium, but it doesn't change the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, he completely ignored it. Was it was done, you yeah. Know? yeah. But with the X-Files, you know, I mean, there is certainly a thing there. I mean, that that mindset, you know, he's very much into, I mean, he's talked about the influences and everything. And He's very much into telling spooky stories and and not necessarily, you know, the mythology. He he's more interested in um in the, you know, monster of the week things. And so the idea of of doing four of those monster of the week things making it sort of an anthology story in a sense I'm okay with once you know you kind of explain it that way especially when you explain the other thing, and this is, you know, another, you know, element to this whole nostalgia thing, which I think is kind of new and, and different and really sort of cool. Instead of bringing in the hottest young writers and television, you know, whatever, to come in and do the X-Files, he brought back all of the guys who he worked with, you know, back in the 90s to come in. And he told each one of them, like, okay come up with a story, write it, direct it, and that'll be your episode. That's You will see the X-Files through Glenn Morgan's eyes. We'll see the X-Files through James Wong's eyes, you know? And it, it's kind of cool that he did that. It really does sort of make it like an anthology, and uh, an X-Files anthology. And I think conceptually speaking, that's really interesting. What he ended up doing was really interesting. And I think I think you do have a good point that conceptually the idea is good. Now, if the execution is there, that's always the biggest question. And I think that's where, I'm, I'm not sure, we haven't talked about it yet together, so I don't know if we're going to differ, but as we move to talking about the specific episodes, I, I think, to me, that's where it fell apart. Like, they have a good idea, but it doesn't come across well. Uh, even the good episodes to me aren't, they don't pan out the way you feel like you, you, the creators wanted them to. Like it, it, it never comes off with the best execution. It always just kind of comes off as like, oh, I kind of know what you're going for, 
but you're not nailing the landing. Um, well, that, that's another thing which you know kind of bothers me about this. While he is very true to sort of the rate, the writers and the behind the scenes people in 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 that sense, in the in terms of the you know uh, conceptual department, the idea that he's giving these guys who are all directors, they've all directed movies and and television shows in the past, the, the idea that he's giving them the 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 director's chair for their stuff. While I think that that's a noble thing to do in the sort of like auteur, you know, theory or whatever, it kind of minimizes the fact that the X-Files had some of the best directors on the planet working on their show. You know, it wasn't just about the writing staff. It was also about the fact that, you know, this is one of this along with I'd say Twin Peaks was like the first time people really started talking about cinema on television you know what i mean and uh right yes as great of a writer as darren morgan is and he's one of the best in the game he may not be the best director in the game you know and uh maybe that's that's what you're 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 responding to you know the fact that it might not be that uh cinematic anymore Mm -hmm. mm-hmm Well, and and that's, uh, I have to say, I think that the first episode, My Struggle, does start off pretty cinematically. It feels like something very big, and they're going way, way back into the past, talking about the, the first landing of aliens with Roswell. They're showing you that what happened there, and the beginning of this big mystery that's, you know, been working itself out with the X-Files. And I have to say, you know, for me, you know, the first episode is probably the best one because it starts off with a good amount of promise. Um, it, it's still, the execution of it is still off pacing-wise, but it started off in a way that was like, oh, okay, we're really, it felt like that thing. We really are going to dig into the big questions you know the 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 biggest questions of the x-files and hopefully answer them by the end of the series and so i really i felt like that to me you know my struggle in, in starting off with that episode was a good way to to start this journey towards hopefully wrapping up some of these things um because, and this is something I feel like that I've I've learned from watching television these days, and from the shows that I enjoy the most, and some of those happen to be the the DC TV shows. Just go big or go home. You don't leave anything for next season. You make it hard to write next season because you put everything on the table this season. And that was kind of what I was hoping that this would do. You know, with the X Files, like we're not playing for oh, we hope they'll give us another one of these little revivals. No, we're playing for, it's going to be hard if they ask for us to have another revival, you know, because we really gave the fans what they wanted. So I just, yeah, at least the first episode here I, I starts off, you know, giving me that kind of promise. Okay, this could be a really cool uh, series here. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, and I, I think that the first episode is uh, very good you know i i know that there are a lot of people who who maybe didn't like it as much um but i i i'm a fan of the mythology in general and i thought that this added something to it it kind of took a step back i thought you know like one of some of the big reveals that it had i think were things where it's like well we already knew that you're just kind of putting a very very subtle spin on this and making Mm -hmm. it seem like it's something huge but I, I, I did right. think that it was a really good episode, and um, definitely I was looking forward to seeing how they they wrapped that stuff up. Um, but and, and and I do agree with you know sort of the philosophy that you're talking about. You know, go big or go home. Don't leave anything, you know, for next season. That that sort of thing. I don't think that Chris Carter agrees with that too much. You know, which is uh, maybe disappointing. Which I think. Yeah, and and I think too is 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 throughout this entire talk about the episodes, I think it's cr- clear that crystal clear that Chris Carter doesn't understand TV today anymore. Yeah, like he doesn't understand how we do things. You know, um, it it, it 
the X-Files worked in the way that it worked back in the day because we weren't in that place where people were expecting such a serialized version of TV. I mean, we're talking about, you know, the X-Files ending right around when, you know, Enterprise was ending and and they were both kind of doing somewhat the same thing, trying to do a more anthology show and have some connected mythology, you know, uh, and that worked then, but it just doesn't work now. And I think it's really clear by the end of this series here, this, this revival of the X-Files, Chris doesn't get a lot of things, I don't feel like, because especially like this Tad O'Malley character and stuff like that that comes along I, I don't feel like he understands how the internet works. Like, Perhaps. You know, like, I mean, I, I think the character is fine. You know, I, I, thought, yeah. I thought that that was kind of an interesting, you know, character. I mean, there's sometimes where, like, you know, Scully is typing stuff into her uh, her browser or whatever, and it's like, I don't, yeah, that's kind of weird. Um, but, you know. I, I don't think that works how you think it works. But, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it is, for, for a show which was so incredibly progressive back in the 90s, um, I think that it hasn't really grown much in terms of its, you know, envelope pushing for for the uh, the new era. I mean, it does feel like a throwback to the 90s. And, um, you know, that's fine. That's fine. But, I mean, when you're doing that, it, you're also kind of limiting yourself mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, what it is you are. And you better hope that you have something else going on. And, I mean, honestly, I do think that this has some other stuff going on in it, which redeems it. But, um, you know, yeah. Well, and then I, I do have to say, too, that the thing about this episode that gave me pause was the point at which Mulder starts explaining to Scully his theory. Like, and he just starts pulling all of this stuff, and it's like, okay you know like I'll, I'll let's see if it goes somewhere and then of course the the end reveal in this episode is that the cigarette smoking man is still alive mm-hmm. which is kind of utterly ridiculous like you 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 lose a lot of credibility when you bring him back yeah you know i mean it's another thing which you definitely see throughout this episode in, or this season in particular is um you know the idea of getting the band back together, bringing in all your favorites and, and all that stuff. And it's like, well, that's fun and all, whatever. But at some point you're doing a disservice to your story. And, you know, Cancer Man had his his end. I mean, it, re- it, it really reminds me in a lot of ways of Darth Maul. You know, the idea that, you know, you hear that story about, I mean, as soon as Darth Maul, you know, died right there there were were people mm-hmm. who were saying like is he coming back is he going to be in episode 2 there were all those rumors and you you see like George Lucas talk about it you know and he's like originally he just you know got you know stabbed and then fell down the hole but i wanted to make sure that people knew he was dead so that's why i cut him in half so that everyone would be like he is dead you mm-hmm. know and yet people were like is he coming back is he coming back and then he comes back and you're like really really you know, I mean, with Cancer Man, like we were saying before, like the camera like zooms in as you see his body disintegrate into a million pieces. And then it cuts back out to a wide shot and you see like five more missiles go into that cave. And it's like he is dead as disco. Right. But now he's back, you know, and it's like, OK, well, <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, I do have to say I I. I love Darth Maul coming back in uh, Star Wars. I, I thought that the way that it happened was very smart and very Star Warsy, um, and he ended up being an incredible character in the way they used him throughout the end of the Clone Wars there, and then, of course, um, they are about to bring him back and use him in Rebels, really? too. And so, yes... Uh, <sighs> But uh, I think they have, I, I, they have some. I think they have some really cool plans for him because obviously, him ending uh, in that episode of the the Clone Wars, his last episode, Palpatine says, "You know, I, I have other uses for you." Um, so I'm excited to figure out what those are, and I, I, I will 
fight to my dying breath saying I think that was an incredible and bold idea for George to say, well, let's let's bring Darth Maul back, you know, let's make that happen. And I would say it works a billion times better than it does here in this episode with Cancer Man, which it doesn't work at all. So it just perhaps I mean perhaps it's because you know Darth Maul is a much less significant character in Star Wars than Cancer Man is in X Files, you know. Right. Yeah, he is a smaller character, and therefore bringing him back and making him a little bit more important once he's brought back actually legitimizes bringing him back and adding to that storyline. So this it's a little different when like pieces of the guy were all over the place, and there's no force to help him live you know like this it's not science this is not science fiction in that way it's just not how yeah, it works. i mean there is this idea of cancer man being this sort of unstoppable force and something that nothing can no one can kill and i mean the mythology of that character is such that he is almost um a mythological creature you know and the idea that he right. cannot die that he is an ever-present force i think is kind of interesting from a storytelling standpoint even if it doesn't have a direct correlation with anything you know in in the real reality right. of the x-files yeah. you know what i mean well and and what was interesting is it's honestly moving into the second episode, uh, Founder's Mutation. I thought that that was an, an interesting building block because it does have a small connection to the episode that we just had. It feels like you're building on this mythology, but you're also telling some more interesting story. Uh, and you're adding to that. You're adding to the mystery for this season, but at the same time kind of having the, you know, uh, monster of the week kind of thing. Uh, and I, I actually really liked this episode. Uh, I thought that they did a great job with it, and I thought it really did. It ratcheted up the tension for what might be found by Mulder and Scully at the end of this season and how this would all, I thought at this point, might wrap up. Yeah, this was the the James Wong episode, just for the record. Um, he, he was one of the guys who was instrumental in sort of uh, mid, mid-X-Files run along with Glenn Morgan the two of them were a team that basically ran the show when Chris Carter was busy doing other things and uh, a lot of people think that you know the work that they did was almost kind of like a Gene Kuhn Gene Roddenberry scenario where like the work that they did is is like better than than what Chris Carter was doing like they're better mm-hmm. at at the concept than than yeah, Carter himself was uh, so it was cool to see him come back, and he's since gone on to like direct like Final Destination and stuff like that. Um, but this episode, to me, kind of this is where I started to get worried in a sense because there was so much hype for the first episode, and I mean, I was so excited. I, you, you would never believe how excited I mm-hmm. was, you know? Yeah. And um, th- that first episode lived up to expectations and everything, and it was like, the X-Files is back, and six episodes, like six episodes is, you know, s- contained enough, because the thing about the, the X-Files, even from the very beginning, is it really kind of felt like well, the original series of Star Trek, in that you would have these amazing episodes, some of the best episodes in television history, and then the next week you would have a total pile of crap. And it's just like... Maybe if you guys weren't doing 25 of these a year, you might, right. uh, you know, the consistency yes. might get a little bit better and you wouldn't have to do, you know, an episode where, you know, some guy is being talked to by like a shadow on the Mars surface or some crap, whatever, you know. And and it's like when I saw this episode, Founder's Mutation, my th- thought was like, that was good, but it was also very much your very very standard x-files monster of the week episode like this we have 200 of these things you know do we really need another one of these uh, you know just like uh x-files i want to believe the the second movie was um rather insignificant because it it was just a monster of the week thing i, I really got the impression uh, with with this episode here it did not feel to have that that significance that um, that a lot of the the show I, I shows I thought should have at this point. Well, and to compound that, we get to the next episode, 
which is where Mulder and Scully meet a were monster. The were monster. And yeah, the were monster. Um, and you know, if this episode had been in the run of the X Files, I would have no problem with it. But as we're talking about it here, and it's hilarious. It's it's a really funny episode. They do the humor well. I think it's 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 just a goofy, weird, wacky episode, which is fine. But it just has nothing to add at all to this season whatsoever. And I, I it's 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 a to me it's a waste of time because you you really should be building towards something in this. And they're not. They're not building towards anything. It's just it it has no bearing on the this six part series other than Mulder and Scully having a wacky adventure. Like, and that that's fine. It just but you only have six episodes, so don't screw it up. And this is I don't know. I, I again I find it funny and I, I, I could just watch the episode by itself and, and enjoy a good laugh, I think. But as this, in this six-part revival, I think this is a huge mistake. This is where we differ. (laughs) This is where... That's okay. I know I differ with John Mills, too, because we've talked about this, and this was his favorite of the the run, so... Okay. Backstory for this one. Darren Morgan. This is Darren Morgan's episode. Darren Morgan is Glenn Morgan's brother, and uh, Darren Morgan was on staff for a while... But for some inexplicable reason, or maybe it is explicable, I don't know, he only wrote four episodes of the original run. However, those four episodes are considered to be four of the best episodes in X-Files history. He won an Emmy for uh, one in particular, Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose. And he also wrote, you know, like Jose Chung's From Outer Space, which is considered to be the best by many, many people. And the other two are no slouches either. (laughs) And um, the thing about the Darren Morgan episodes, whenever you saw one, you know, people, I mean, people like held those in such high esteem it's it was like they were these these gems in 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 the series you know these are were like the crown jewels of the series in a sense because um in addition to being extremely funny and extremely entertaining they also offered a lot um to to think about you know in a sense there was a lot going on thematically in these episodes and Mulder and Scully meet the were monster I think is 100% on par with all of those. I think this is one of the best episodes in the history of the X-Files. And while I agree with you that it doesn't advance the plot or anything like that, once, you know, I found out about the plan for the two mythology episodes and the four standalones in in the middle, I resigned myself to thinking, like, there is going to be no connective tissue. Like, I'm shocked at how much connective tissue they have, as is. Like, that was sort of mind-blowing to me. I I thought that they were all going to be, you know, these just regular old episodes of the show which have nothing to do with each other, especially when it was revealed that they juggled the order all around and they showed them all out of order. And looking at it on those terms, this episode... It is extremely funny, you know, and I rewatched it again today because I, 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 I you know, I, I felt I felt like I needed to, to, to sort of get the full effect of this thing because I think you get a lot out of it on second viewing. But it has this this very sort of interesting uh, philosophy to it, which is is running throughout the X Files, but but in particular in, in Darren Morgan's episodes where there's this sort of like existential view of the world and and humanity and everything and you know the fact that it's really sort of about what it is to be human and you know what it is that we we do with our lives and and how we should be living our lives and what's important and and what's not and how we should break free of the sort of prison that we're in of you know like everyday life and just you know trying to survive and make money and you know pay rent or whatever and 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 actually do something meaningful with our lives i mean to be able to tell something of of, of such a you know 
profound scale with like a guy running around in a rubber monster suit. I mean, that is some next level stuff right there. I mean, this is, I think, like straight up a masterpiece. And, you know, my my feeling is while it doesn't uh, have anything to do with the other six episodes, if as long as you give us Mulder and Scully meet the were monster, you know, we can burn the other five episodes and <laughs> and it'll all be worth it. You know what I mean? That's that's my feeling on, on Mulder and Scully meet the were monster. I love it. I love it with every fiber of my being. Well and and I you know, I think we're not really that much far off because I, I don't have a problem with the episode at all. I think it's very funny and I think it's well done and I think it's uh it's a fun episode. And I actually think I, I in, if if we're going on enjoyment level of of the season, I probably actually enjoy this episode the most because of just how wacky and fun and goofy and all those things it is. And that's great. Um I for me personally as a person who is watching this and hoping that I guess it it's just we'll put it this way. It's not meeting my expectations and that is my fault. Uh, not the show's fault. But I think that a lot of people probably had the same expectations. They thought that the X-Files here would do something it's just not doing. And I think that's where a lot of people aren't liking it on a whole. Um, And especially as we move into home again, you know, this is another episode which I just, I I don't like this episode. I just, I don't. It's, it's, it's Monster of the, the Week episode. But it's not even good monster of the week episode. It the the explanation for the the kind of way the monster it just is awful. This trash man thing it looks awful, and I didn't like that the Scully part where her mother has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. It feels like two episodes they put together that just don't have anything to do with each other. And I I just I really I just don't like this episode. Unfortunately. I definitely think this is one of the weaker episodes. In a lot of ways, it feels the most X-Files-ish, you know, in in a sense. You know, there's this, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of infuriating thing which you find in a lot of uh, Monster of the Week episodes where there's a monster, there's a weird thing, they go to investigate it, and they, in the end, can't figure out why it's doing its thing. It just kind of resolves itself in some way, you know, like it dies or it moves on or it kills whatever they're trying to protect. And then, you know, so what really was it? We don't really know. You know, I mean, that's just sort of like the thing, you know, that's the, that's what the Mm -hmm. show is. And there's times where it's just like, okay, guys, you know, you need to give us something. You really need to give us something. And I can definitely see your complaints and, um, I, I don't even disagree with them really. Uh, the, the Scully, you know, mom thing, I think is sort of like the, the heart of this episode that, that to me worked really well. And it also sort of carries on this, <laughs> this theme, which runs through the X-Files where they have to pretty much kill someone in Scully's family every season or so. I don't know why, but Scully's family has a hard time making it through an episode of the X-Files. <laughs> um, they killed her dad, they killed her sister, and now they kill her mom. And, uh, you know, so it was kind of nice that they continued that thread. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. To me, like, that that stuff and, and, and the stuff that, that Scully goes through in this episode kind of um, makes it worth it in a sense. Even though the, mm-hmm. the A plot, I think, is rather weak. And this episode, yeah. you know, for, for the record, is, you know, uh, written and directed by Glenn Morgan, who was James Wong's partner and Darren Morgan's brother. And the guy who uh, was the executive producer, along with Chris Carter on the show, he was really like Chris Carter's right-hand man throughout this this miniseries, for whatever that's worth. So Well, and no, I, I agree with you. Um, I think that the... The part about her mother is actually the best part of the the episode. It just doesn't fit with the the monster part of the episode, and that was what was frustrating. It's like the you're right. This heart of the this story 
is not really connecting with anything else. And it feels like you're just kind of doing a disservice to something that's really big that's happening in this character's life. And that was the frustrating thing. It's like, I don't even know these characters as well as other people. And I'm frustrated on their behalf because you're not really spending enough time with the character development you're putting the character through because you have this whole other story that doesn't actually really mean much. So uh, that, to me, was the frustrating thing. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a it's just kind of a, it's just kind of a mess, you know. Like it it really is the the the, the storylines that we're getting here. Are just I think that's what we're seeing uh, is things are a mess. And by the time we get the next episode with Babylon, it's just awful. I mean, I would call Babylon one of the worst things I've seen on TV in a long time, and it's racist from all angles, like. Every single part of this episode is racist, uh, whether you're from Texas or you're a Muslim. It's just awful, 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 awful. So, and I'm from Texas, so yeah, it's just eh. I was really disappointed with with everything they were doing here. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm not from Texas and I'm not a, a Muslim. I, I will say that we we were doing these like live after shows, you know, for for these things when it aired, and um, I was doing them with a guy from Texas, and uh, then Zach Moore, uh, who does the uh, previously on Trek FM spots, he was tweeting us as mm-hmm. we were doing it, and he's from Texas as well, and and both of them were like, this is not, this is the most stereotypical. <laughs> Texas, you know, it's awful. It is awful. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I've never been to Texas, so I wouldn't know. Um, as as far as the the uh, the Muslim thing is concerned, you know, I mean, Zach was saying that too. He was like, this is extremely Islamophobic, and you know, I guess I didn't really. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that it's not, you know, because I mean, I I don't think that I'm in a place to say that, but uh, I didn't feel that while watching it i mean it was definitely Mm -hmm. pushing some buttons where i was like i'm surprised that they're going to this place you know this is definitely feels Mm -hmm. like 24 territory here but um i didn't really get the impression that their intent was was that at least you know perhaps they didn't handle things as sensitively as they should have but i i don't know i i didn't i didn't pick up on that while i was watching that not to say that it's not but i didn't pick up on it uh, it was just, I was just so disappointed. It just didn't feel like, it just didn't feel like somebody writing this episode that has any clue about the world in which we actually live in or what they're writing about. And that's what frustrated me the most. It's like this, you know, yeah, do, do we have, um, racist people in America? Yes. Do we have people who you ha- have used Islam as a way to promote terrorism? Yes. Uh, can we actually show those in ways that aren't just blatantly seeming racist on a TV show? Uh, well, apparently not. It just it was awful. So I, I just uh. and then and what was really frustrating is that you know this last episode is really exciting, and they're, they're doing a lot of cool things. Um, they actually make use of the, the characters that were so frustrating in Babylon, where I don't know if uh, David Duchovny just couldn't get Californication out of himself, so he needed to go on a weird drug trip uh, in Babylon, but... Well, okay, let's let's go back to Babylon for a second. First off, let's go back to to home again for just one second. Just the title, home again. That that is a a, a, a very funny inside joke for those who don't know. There is an episode of the original run called Home, which is notorious because it is it it's it's very out there. You know, it involves some very very terrifying stuff and i think it it got like an ma rating and everything and basically fox freaked out when that episode aired rightfully so so the idea of this guy saying like i'm gonna do an episode episode called home again that's pretty funny because it's even though it has nothing to do with that episode it's you know basically saying like hey guys watch out (laughs) anyway um with babylon i will say that you know regardless of any of that stuff um i do appreciate even though i think it's insane um i do appreciate the 
constant shift in tone of this thing. The idea that you can start off an episode with like a terrorist bombing and then eventually end up in a place where your main character is going on this crazy like drug trip where he's seeing like you know the lone gunman and stuff like that and it's like this wacky insane thing i love the fact that they tried to do that in a single episode yeah. because the show would do that over the course I of a get season it, but it just it doesn't I, work i think it i think it works i mean that i could watch that all day you know that yeah. that tonal shift thing i th- i think that that's bold and and crazy i, I got whiplash i like that i like that getting episode, whiplash so. you know <laughs> Um, so, well, so that that I thought was pretty cool. I mean, the the end result I think is just you know sort of okay. I did not dislike this episode, but um, you know, it, it uh, I can see why people would. Yeah. Well, to me, the last episode, um, it is everything that I th- that my struggle too uh, was everything I felt like the entire season should have been. The entire season should have been my struggle and my struggle too, stretched out over the six episodes and played out so that by the time you got to this end, it felt more earned because you haven't earned what you're going to do in this last episode because you're having to cram in so much into this 44 minutes, this 43 minutes of running time that my head is spinning and it's hurting because you're trying to cram in so much information and make this work. And the execution here is, again, the the pacing is off and the execution is off. And I am just, I'm frustrated on behalf of the show and on behalf of the fans who probably wanted this to be the entire six-run series, this whole storyline. And... As we talked about in the beginning, this should have been a six-part miniseries, I firmly believe. And if you had just done that, it would have been really successful. Um, And, you know, maybe you can work in one one one-off in the middle, you know, um, where they're on the way back from something and that crazy episode with the were-man happens. You could actually work that in. You know, so that that episode makes sense and you could have the kind of reprieve for the, you know, the one episode. But this just, I I kind of wanted the whole season to be this. And again, to me, it's, it's, it's about the execution of it. And as we talked about earlier, some of the ridiculous things about the way the internet works and all with, again, the Tad O'Malley character and <laughs> everything like that. Uh, the fact that he's live and people pause him and then they unpause him and they pick up right where they left off, it just, all these things just don't really make sense. So um, it's its an interesting end. I just wish it had been the whole season. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's kind of interesting what they were trying to do. Uh, I think that ultimately this is the worst episode of the of the six uh, because it really is all over the place and it, it it's constantly playing catch up and it has no idea where it's going. I mean, the idea that they kind of this is maybe you know I don't think it'll be, but it could maybe be the last time that we see. Mulder and Scully on screen, and they're basically not together for the entire episode. That's mm-hmm. a, a little weird, and I, I don't think that it really works tremendously well. But um, I read an interview. I think it was in like the Hollywood Reporter or something like that. A very quick interview, which uh, was uh, done the day after, the morning after this episode aired, with Chris Carter, where he talks about. <sighs> Stuff which is so telling and it's so Chris Carter, but he had no idea what he was going to do with the finale until he was awful, like directing episode at that time was episode four, but what became episode five. And it's like, you've already made part one. How do you not know what you're doing in part six? And I think that's kind that's of awful. telling of the entire mythology of this series is he doesn't know. 
And, you know, it shows. It shows. And, you know, maybe mm-hmm. if he had come up with this idea before he started filming the season, things would turn out differently. But the fact that, you know, I think what he knew, I mean, just based on the other episodes, I think what he knew was that it had to end with William being the key, William, the, the son of, of Mulder and Scully, being the key to humanity's survival or whatever, you know, and that it was all going to lead up to that, to them having to find William. And, um, and they, they don't even do it. I mean, they, they, it leads up to literally them having to yep. find William. They do not, they do they not. They don't even go looking for him yet. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so that that to me is problematic. I definitely do think that this is the worst episode of the season um, and probably the only one that I would consider to be bad, like if we were to, you know, have to pick a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Um, but the characters of, of Miller and Einstein, I think, are really weird and interesting. And um, because, you know, the, one of the rumors has been that the idea is to make a, a spinoff, you know, in next season, have it be about the two of them. And, you know, doing younger versions of Mulder and Scully is, you know, I mean, that's a sound concept, but doing like literally younger versions of literally Mulder mm-hmm. and Scully yeah. is kind of an interesting way to go. And you do that in a comedic episode like um, Babylon, and it works. Then to see it here in a dramatic episode, I was very curious to see how it would work, and ultimately, I think that it does. I think Miller kind of doesn't really do anything, but I, I really do like the character of Einstein, and I could totally see a series, you know, that focused on the two of them. I think that that would be really interesting. That was something I, well, for me personally, I thought that their characters were redeemed by this last episode because you made them seem less like a punchline and and more like a part of the story. Mm-hmm. And so I really liked that. And um, I, it was kind of fun to see uh, Lauren Ambrose, who I haven't seen since Can't Hardly Wait. <laughs> um, and then, of course, uh, Robbie Amell, who I know from um, being on the CW with his brother. He was the original Firestorm uh, in The Flash until his character got killed off. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, um, yeah, I, I I didn't mind them. I just felt like they worked better here. And then we're just, we're left with this cliffhanger. And so my question to you is, with the way that this season went, do you really want more X-Files or do you just feel like, Nope, just be done, Chris Carter, because apparently you're tapped out on ideas. Chris Carter, in one way or another, has been tapped out on ideas since 1999, if you ask me. And, you know, that doesn't mean that we haven't gotten some really great episodes since then. And, I mean, like I was saying before, in regards to, you know, Mulder and Scully meet the Were Monster, as long as you give me that, as long as you give me something of that quality, I will take anything that you give me because, you know, with that being a, a possibility, I'm I'm willing to to, you know, cut away all of the fat, you know, on my own. I I, I don't know. I it's it's the X Files has always been um a show which in in which you have to really look for the gems and you know there's a lot of a, a lot of dead weight you know uh, in in the entire franchise not just not just these six episodes but whenever you see one of those great episodes it just makes it all worth it so I, I I am looking forward to more X Files. I can't wait to see it. Am I extremely intrigued by how this whole storyline wraps up? Nah, not really. You know, I mean, do I really need to see William again? No, I mean, it's weird because up until now, I would say that most X-Files fans probably didn't even remember William. I mean, as big of a deal as it is, and it should be a big deal for these characters, it came at a time in the series when basically no one was watching, you know? So I I, I found it very surprising that they made such a big deal out of William until they, you get to this episode and you're like, oh, that's what they were doing, you know? <laughs> but, um, yeah. uh, you know, there's always the chance of something great. And and I think like if they were to come back and if even if they wanted to continue this format, you know, where you have a bunch of standalones inside of of uh, a couple of mythology episodes, 
I'm okay with it. You know, bring back some of the other people who you weren't able to bring back for this one. Bring back the, uh, like, Howard Gordon, who I know is busy now with 24 or whatever, but he was a huge role. He played a huge role on um, the X-Files. I mean, can you imagine if Vince Gilligan was able to come back, you know, if he was able to take away... To, you know, I mean, he, he's he's gone on to create Breaking Bad and, and stuff, and he's done, you know, some of the best episodes of the X-Files. If he were to come back to do just a one-off... I mean, how great would that be? So I'm okay with it because just like any other episode of the X-Files or any other season of the X-Files, you never know what you're going to get, and it could be great. So, yeah, bring it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I really don't. I I, I don't have a clear answer. Uh, I don't. I think for me at this point, unless... They really do do like a six-part miniseries that answers all the questions and we're done. I don't feel like that I need to see any more X-Files because if you're really going to just continue to give us the same thing over again, I don't need that. You know, I I don't feel like the story needs that. I feel like at this point the characters and the storyline just needs to have a finale to it. So you feel like you invested your time well, you know, and it, it the same way the frustration that people had at the end of Lost that well, you know, be, be, felt, be, tread, tread lightly here because I still haven't. No, seen no, the no. End I, of I, Lost. I, I'm saying a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people felt like they had invested a lot of time and they didn't like the answer that they got and where it landed. Okay, I can understand too why a lot of X Files fans would feel the same way about this you know that i've invested so much into this and i was hoping that this was going to finally like uh you know give me the thing that i wanted which was the resolution to the the big mystery and it's it's not there so i can understand why that would that people would feel that way as well and i honestly kind of feel that myself i'm like if this is just where you're going to keep going with things i'm i'm not i'm kind of tapped out you know like you're 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 not giving me a reason to really want to come back, and so I, I guess here, here's the difference, right? Like what you're saying makes sense, and it's I, I definitely agree with it. But it is an epiphany which you know X Files fans who have been there since the beginning came to around season six, right? So everything since then has sort of just been you know them playing with the house's money, you know, in a sense, you know. And the people who have stuck around or who have come back or whatever realize that there's never going to be a finale. You know, there's never going to be an answer to all these questions or whatever. And, you know, there, there's no hope for that. So the best thing that, that you can hope for is to get some of the great little standalone anthology episodes uh, that, that, that we know and love. And I think if you go into it looking at looking at it from that perspective, like looking at it sort of as like a, a almost like a Twilight Zone anthology or like a, an original series, like a Star Trek original series kind of you know show, then you you might appreciate it more. I mean, maybe the thing to do is to just be like, you know, what screw the mythology. You know, it, it really doesn't work. You know, let's just stop it and do regular old X Files episodes like we all know and love. I don't know. It's weird. It's a conundrum. I mean, I don't disagree with anything that you're saying, but I guess, I don't know. I, I have come to accept it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think um, if if uh, that works for some people, you know, I, I think that's that's good. You know, I, I, I think for me personally, it's not a reason to, to really want to come back, you know, and, and be back in this universe or to invest more time in it. I think that's the thing. Like, I don't feel like... I want to not. I'm not going to say waste time, but I just don't feel like I, I. I want to continue to come back because I don't feel like I'm. I'm personally being rewarded for it. So, you know, um, I what I like about what we're talking about here is is we're trying to come up constructively. What are the things that don't work? Like I don't. I don't hate this. You know, I'm not, and I'm not trying to make anybody else hate it. I just, I'm, I'm frustrated with the the execution of something that I can see the bits and pieces in there that could be really good if it had been done, I think, differently. And I, I think, you know, you mentioned like 
Chris Carter if it had been more intentional this series. You know, I think I think that's the thing is there needed to be some real intentionality to this and Chris doesn't seem to want to do that. Uh, I think we got exactly what he wanted to do and I just I don't I don't think it works um especially today and especially when we're talking about, you know, a small revival of a show that's been on the off the air for a very long time. And the main reason for coming back, I think, for most people is to, to to look for some answers. And then when those answers don't happen, I can understand why, uh, you know, people are a little frustrated. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely glad we talked about it, though, you know, and I'm glad that that our associate producers through Patreon allow us to do that. I really appreciate Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson for giving us the opportunity. They support us through Patreon because we are a listener-supported network. And without you, we can't keep this content coming to you each week. I love the fact that I just get to sit around with somebody like Mike and talk about things that we really like or really passionate about or would love to have seen done a little bit differently. And and if you love what we do here at Trek FM, go to patreon.com slash Trek FM and you can see how you could be a part of the team and keep bringing all of this content to you each and every week, almost every single day of the week as well. So Mike, uh, before we get out of here, the 602 Club, I think Ruby's ready to close up for the night. Uh, where can we find you online and tell everybody about the podcast you do on the network as well? Yeah, you can find me here on Trek FM doing commentary Trek stars, uh, where we look at the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. We've just begun our very last arc, uh, which is going to look at the films of Justin Lin, who is directing the new um, Star Trek movie, Star Trek Beyond. Uh, we we are just about to cover, just covered uh, his first movie, Better Luck Tomorrow. Uh, so ah, nice. Check that out. And um, then I also produce uh, From There to Here, which is our daily uh, Star Trek rewatch where we, we take a look at two episodes a day, every day for all of 2016. And then um, you can find me on CommentaryTrackStars.com, where I do Commentary Track Stars. And also, if you look there, the last six episodes, or, okay, maybe I haven't gotten them all up yet, but um, <laughs> we did uh, live after shows of, of each of the six uh, episodes of, of The X-Files. So if you want to get um, sort of more in-depth, like immediate responses uh, or immediate reactions to to these episodes, go over there and, and check that out. And you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. Awesome, man. Well, goodness, uh, you can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. You can also find me doing The Orb with Christopher Jones, where we talk exclusively about Deep Space Nine. And I am on the network as well with Literary Treks, where I'm talking about the books and the comics of Star Trek with uh, Dan Gunther, which is a lot of fun. We get to interview the authors there. It's a blast. You can find me on the podcast Aggressive Negotiations. I do with my buddy John Mills, who you've heard on the 602 club we talk about star wars we pick a brand new topic each week and talk about that and it's so much fun and so i has a handful really though, isn't he yeah he really yeah. is you know i i gotta give it to you i know you're working on him with uh commentary trek stars so uh yeah i we should get medals you know <laughs> well why do you think i'm ending the show you know it, 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 it really does take its toll there's only so much oh gosh take. Oh, gosh, that John. Well, uh, if you'd like to join us over there, you can do that on thenerdparty.com. You can find Aggressive Negotiations, and we're on Twitter at the Jedi Masters. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and y'all come back now, you hear? you.